How many people have seen Hamilton or at least know of it? Just so I know, okay. Got about half the room. We'll go with that. If we have the next slide on, just a, as a holding slide, as fun as Stephen Colbert is. So Hamilton is a musical which is, uh, has done ridiculously well uh, over in the US and is about to open uh, in London and various ones of us in the room have tried very hard to get tickets. I know that uh, Graham at the back has been very successful, uh, as has Sarah, uh, as has Claire, uh, and they are all going on opening night, is that right? Yes. So at the heart of this uh, musical Hamilton is uh, the tale of Alexander Hamilton, one of the founding fathers uh, of the American Revolution that we don't hear much about. Uh, and it tells the story of how he has motivated this brilliant, ambitious, uh, proud man is motivated so much by his fear of death. And the song we just heard, I'm Not Gonna Waste My Shot, uh, is all about this kind of reflection on the fact that death is coming and I need to work out how to respond to it. Uh, I'm not going to wait, throw away my shot. I'm not going to... Uh, I'm going to somehow take on death and try and engage with the fact that I'm going to die, but also not waste my opportunity that I have now. So somehow gain significance, gain immortality. And this, this plays out throughout the musical, and uh, Hamilton wrestles against other people in... Uh, the musical about kind of what, how you respond to this reality. So his mentor Washington uh, take, tries to console him and say, we, we don't have any control over who lives, who dies, who tells our story. We just have to resign ourselves to this. Uh, and yet, ultimately, Hamilton says, no, I will control how people see me. I will try and rail against death. And it destroys him. And I think that aside from the, how impressive the artistry of the musical is, that there is something in this story, there is something in this idea of not wasting our shot that has resonated with people. And this message of fear of dying and how we respond to that has motivated people to engage with it. And I think particularly uh, this generation, uh, that is a particular pull uh, for a variety of reasons. Because I think that uh, the instability of society and, and various other uh, very sort of kind of socio-political and economic forces have coalesced to mean that it's particularly important. People are particularly introspective about trying to find meaning, about trying to find significance. So we have this thing, uh, I don't know if you're aware, that there's a lot of discussion about, particularly people my age, about having an impact. Uh, it doesn't matter how long you've been in the job, you immediately want to have an impact because you want to have done something important. You want to have made a mark immediately. So people have been will have been in a position for a very short amount of time and will immediately be worrying about, well, have I had an impact? Have I done something that seems to make, you know, make me last? Or equally, there's the fact that now more than ever, there is a possibility of doing all sorts of things. We are told that we could be whatever we want to be, and that is crippling and that is paralyzing. Because if, be if we can be all these things, then we better get on and be them. We, can't, we don't no longer have just one or two things that we can kind of commit to and cultivate, but we suddenly have, we're pulled in all these directions, and we're pulled with this, with how to spend this finite amount of time we have, and again, death comes rushing towards us, and we don't know what to do, so we are paralyzed, and we are stuck. I was talking to someone the other day who said that 
amidst all the ways that we try and cope with this. And he says, Josh, they are fun. They are pleasurable. Uh, but ultimately, at the end of the day, you can be really successful, but you are still left asking, so what? Uh, what am I, other than a footnote of history, even then, even if I become president, even if I become, become something incredibly significant, so what? Who cares? What does it matter? And I think ultimately, we are wrestling with this, uh, this story, this question, this problem, as, as much as Alexander Hamilton in the musical is. So our society constructs, uh, well, we construct society in such a way that we try and ignore this reality of death. So we create euphemisms to death. People pass away, people move on, we lose people. Uh, rather than they die. Uh, we don't like the weakness and our own mortality, so we externalize it and we try and shut away the dying. So we, uh, we put them uh, out of sight. We put the weakness in society out of sight because we don't want to engage with the weakness in our own lives. We try and create stories to justify that weakness and that death. So we say that you know, we have this idea of redemptive violence. So though, uh, we tell all these stories in which the bad guy is the one that's killed at the end. Uh, to make sense of death, to somehow rationalize it. But ultimately, we're stuck with this, how do we begin to process it? Uh, and, you know, and, and that moves us to do amazing things. So that motivation, that, that moved Hamilton to be involved in writing some of the founding documents of the US. Uh, people are motivated every day to do brilliant, amazing things, uh, works of art, build communities, uh, amazing political movements. Uh, out of that fear of death. But it's still incomplete. There is still something saying, so what? And it's incomplete as well because we, in doing so, we deny the parts of ourselves that are weak, the parts of ourselves that are human. And also we deny the people that remind us of that weakness. So we build amazing things, but we build them that they're incomplete, that they're exclusive. And in that context, you know, that we imagine death so much it feels like a memory and we're motivated onto this. That is why the cross, that is why the story that Christianity tells is so upsetting, is so offensive. Because it challenges all those things. It, say, it puts death right at the center and it says that death is a reality that we have to engage with and it's coming for us and we have to engage with that. But also it says, not only, it says also that the person who died in, in that story is the innocent one is not the guilty, so death isn't even fair in some ways. But still, it makes the perhaps most, the most offensive claim that there's something more to death, there's something else. So for example, in, and, and it doesn't mean that it's not difficult, it doesn't try and hide away from the difficulty of that, but it does seem to suggest, that it does say there is something more, there's something after death, there's something beyond death. So in, in, in the 11th chapter of the Gospel of John, when Jesus uh, goes and uh, his friend Lazarus has died, and he goes to the tomb, and he says, the sickness is not unto death, meaning this is not the end. But Lazarus still dies then, so Lazarus is still dead, and Jesus still weeps over that death. But there is still something more, and there's something more because of Jesus, because of the cross. Prayer. I was kind of wondering at which point you were going to stop then, wondering what I would say to pick up. So, Josh has left us on that cliffhanger that there is something more, there is another part to this story. And 
let me reiterate again. What we're not saying is that death is nothing and that fear of death is stupid and that we shouldn't um, confront death. Death isn't nothing. We know that. We, f we feel pain when people we love die. Um, we feel uneasy about our own mortality. And, you know, we have all these important biological responses in us to take care of us. So, like, um, if I um, see, like, a, I don't know, a big scary dog or something, my body will release various... Um, kind of hormones and reactions to protect me, and that's a good thing. Those of us who um, maybe have panic disorders or um, struggle with anxiety, one of the difficult things about it is that sometimes your body tells you that you're in danger even when you're not. And a point here is not to shame any of those things. Death is not nothing. But Christians believe that Christ has conquered death that the story of the cross is death and resurrection. In lots of our um, um, songs and uh, readings, we say often, where, O oh, death, is your sting? The Bible talks about Jesus um, being the firstborn of the grave, the first one to be resurrected. And his resurrection was the vindication, the great proof of what he had done for you and me. So um, this doesn't mean that we will never fear. There are many times that we will fear. The commandment in the Bible, do not fear, it's not to shame us, it's not to feel, make us feel bad about any time we feel anxious. It is an invitation to see things as they are to put Christ on the throne of our lives rather than fear, to operate out of what he has done for us rather than our fear of death, to put fear in its proper place and let it be cast out continually by love. Um, and in my life, I have found this to be a continual process um, and I was saying to Josh earlier, there are some ways in, in which I feel really um, unqualified to stand up here and talk about this because um, there are, are some ways in which I'm still in the middle of this. I don't feel like I'm at the end of letting love cast out my fear. I definitely didn't suddenly stop being afraid when I became a Christian or when I was baptized um, in fact, as I've grown up and my faith has matured, um, I've been through more anxious situations and more um, grief than before. And um, as you will have heard me talk about, uh, when I was younger, I had some counselling. And um, to paraphrase a conclusion me and my therapist Bill came to, um, we realised that in the kind of overachieving perfectionist mode that I often operate in, I was trying to outsmart any weakness and any vulnerability and conquer all my fears and overcome anything bad that might happen to me before any of it had happened. I was trying to preempt any negativity or weakness before experiencing it. I was trying to become completely sorted and ideally like invincible to all illness and accident before starting my life, before attempting anything. But that can't happen. And instead of 
um, trying to cast out all past, present, and future fear all at once by sheer force of will, my new kind of mode of operation, the one that I am trying to um, operate in, is to trust more and more each day in the saving work of Christ and his victory. I don't know um, the struggles that will come in my life. I can't um, predict them. I can't prevent all of them. Um, and I don't know what my health will be like. I don't know how much money I will have. I don't know how long my life will be. Um, but I will still consider myself to be growing if I am walking each day with the Holy Spirit, if I can keep hold of that discipline of submitting myself to God and allowing the love of Jesus to exile my fear, if I can overcome each day's challenge with that day's um, portion of love and courage. And um, that is a thing that is making me notice how brave I am. Because I am often fearful, I notice that I am becoming braver as I um, am in those fearful situations and push on any, any way rather than trying to never be afraid all the time. Um, does this um, new method mean that I'm throwing away my shot? Does it mean that I'm wasting my life? That's a rhetorical question. I'm about to say no, so... Um, no, I don't think it does. And I don't even think that that is actually the final conclusion that this um, musical comes to. I don't think that that is the takeaway message of Hamilton. Because um, there's another character in Hamilton, one that we might overlook, um, which is his wife, Elizabeth Schuyler. Um, and in this musical, unlike Hamilton and the other characters, she doesn't rap, she doesn't have like a cool... Um, like style, um, she doesn't have like loads of internal rhymes, she's not rushed, um, she's not always like bragging and talking herself up. Um, she sings these slow and reflective constant melodies and Elizabeth's vocation is found in relationship. It's being part of a grand narrative, it's understanding life as a miracle not grasping for money or legacy or fame or living in constant fear. And unlike Hamilton, who, um, sorry to spoil this, but dies young, um, Elizabeth lives a long life. She pours herself into doing good. She always has time. She, um, this is a true historical fact, she um, establishes uh, the first private orphanage in New York and uh, that um, charity still exists as a youth and children's charity. This isn't just a picture of a well-lived life. This isn't just us saying, here's one way to live your life and here's another. Um, as I've said, this is something I'm still very much working on. But I feel like in this different operation, operating not out of the fear of death, um, but in the love of Christ, there is freedom. This um, is an even more fertile and fruitful place for art and creativity and productivity and amazing acts of justice and so on um, than that first philosophy. And I would argue it's better because um, 
We're doing everything with and for God and one another, not for ourselves. We're doing it acknowledging our weakness and our limitation and leaning on Jesus who has gone before us in all of these things, whose saving love, whose perfect love casts out fear. And you may have heard Christians say before, perfect love casts out fear. It's a very like popular fridge magnet quote. And um, you might have heard it said as this, some kind of catch-all solution to any sort of weakness or negativity, right? So anytime you, you start to bring up something you're worried or uncertain about, you just get this, perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Shut up. Um, and it can be weaponized in that way. It can be like that problematic, like man up, don't want to hear what your problem is. But let me tell you um, what that verse from 1 John says in its entirety. It says, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Henry Nouwen, um, a Catholic priest, uh, one of my favorite writers, struggled from depression and he wrote a lot of amazing things. But about this verse he wrote, We are still afraid to die, and that fear is connected with the fear that we are not loved. And if we only knew um, that after death, what awaits us in Christ is um, not punishment, but resurrection, endless joyful communion, the forgiveness that Graham was talking about earlier. So... Um, I think in a minute we're going to take communion together. And as we do, I want you to think about these things. Think about looking death in the face. Looking forward to um, that resurrection that is in Christ. And living a life in relation to one another. Should we pray? Thanks, Ray. Why don't we um, stand? And um, Hannah, could we um, sing again? It'd be great to um, be able to respond, but let's just take a moment of silence. I'm really struck by what Josh and Freya have um, illuminated for us tonight, those two ways of being in the world, the, the way that wants to make our mark on history way of life that wants to stamp our seal on the pages of the world a way of life which is driven and motivated by a fear of death a fear of being forgotten fear of missing out fear of being missed out And another way, another way of life in which our lives are links in a chain. Our lives are being knit into relationships which weave a glorious tapestry, (coughs) joining in the great grand narrative of history, joining in with what God has done. And maybe. We just want to reflect on those two ways of life and um, choose in our hearts which one we'd rather belong to. Maybe tonight you just want to say, 
uh, in the silence of your heart. Yes, God. Make my life a link in a chain. Make my life a relationship knit together with you and with one another. Overcome my fear and call me by love into life. if that's your desire tonight, if that's your prayer if that's the song of your heart then be assured that God welcomes you God loves you God calls you into relationship with him God in Christ has done everything necessary to draw you back to himself ourselves in some.